Welcome back to another episode of Fez Talks. I, of course, am your host, Fez. Today on the podcast, I talk next-gen? Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its continuing mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no one has gone before. As you all know, I have talked about Next Generation before on this podcast, but today is a very special day as it is the first intercontinental Fez Talks podcast episode. I'm joined today by a new Twitter friend. Thank you to my friend Mary Beth from Sci-Fi Distilled for putting the hashtag out for Fez Talks. So without any further ado... Let's get into that conversation. So joining me today on the podcast is someone I just personally met on Twitter through the hashtag of Star Trek. <laughs> and her name is Joellen. Joellen, please say hello to whoever may or may not be listening in the podcast ecosphere. Hi, everybody who may or may not be listening. I'm Joe. Nice to meet you. <laughs> so today's topic is Star Trek The Next Generation. But before we get into that topic, Joe, tell me how you came to know, like, love Star Trek. Well, I think the person who probably got me into science fiction um, is my dad. So on Saturday afternoons in uh, Northern Ireland, you know, we would always turn on the TV and there would always be a rerun of something or other. And um, my first memories of Star Trek are actually watching the reruns of the original series. Um, and that's how I got into it. And um, I would have been, I think, seven or eight when uh, The Next Generation started. So I was old enough to remember watching that from the beginning as well. And I've been a fan ever since <laughs> so beyond the metaphorical fourth wall of the podcast we were talking about your favorite series and i never got to ask you who your favorite character was so what's your favorite character and what's your favorite series okay um my favorite series has definitely got to be deep space nine um i just love the idea that um we're away from the starship You've got a lot of opportunity to meet new characters, you know, coming and going through um, um, the, the, uh, the station. You've got the wormhole, so you've got the excitement of this new quadrant on the other side. Um, and also, I just love the big war story arc that takes place on Deep Space Nine. Um, probably my favorite captain is Cisco, And 
I really, really love Quark. I love him. <laughs> Even though he's such a flawed character, I love him. Uh, I think he's fantastic. And I'd love to frequent his bar anytime. I'd be straight next to Morn. <laughs> so are there any big things that you want to talk about before we get into your favorite Next Gen episodes? Mm. Next generation. I mean, when I think, I mean, I don't have anything in particular that I really want to discuss. Um, you know, I can't, I'm not, don't want to hone in on something. But when I think about Star Trek, I always think about the next generation. Despite the fact that I've just said that Deep Space Nine is my favorite show, something always brings me back to the next generation. And in fact, I've just rewatched the whole series. And I think that's a testament to how strong the characters have been written. Um, and a lot of the um, episodes that I've chosen um, are all character-based episodes. Um, and I think that's the strength of the show. And I think it just got stronger and stronger as it went on. I don't know, what do you think? Do, do you think it's a strongly written character-based? I think Star Trek in general, when it's at its best, whether, yeah. whether it be the movies or television, although I think television is the medium that it should always be in, mm. is a character-based character slash issue show. Like I think, mm. I think of episodes like in the original series, uh, a private little war, where they're talking mm -hmm. basically a parallel to the Vietnam War. At the at the same time, they're dealing with this in the uh, the the war that they're dealing with in that episode, or something like Measure of a Man in Next Gen, yeah. when we're talking about rights, or in the pale moonlight of Deep Space Nine, one of my all time favorite Star Trek episodes, not just even Deep Space Nine. Mm -hmm. where you get Cisco's point of view on the war and what you need to do to end a war or at least make it come to a quicker conclusion, at least in his point of view and all the things mm -hmm. that you have to do and the shady people, including plain, simple Garrick helping <laughs> you out. Um, that Those are the episodes I've always, 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 always gravitated towards myself. Yeah. Star Trek it's not afraid to tackle those big issues and that's what Roddenberry wanted wasn't it he he wanted this kind of society that would pick out what was wrong and challenge it um and that's what I really enjoy about Star Trek as well and it it always it always strikes me as now I know you're not caught up with Discovery but mm how Star Trek is always relevant to whatever time it's in. Even yeah. Deep Space Nine with some of the storylines that are going on in that show are even relevant to today, which, mm -hmm. it, which to me signifies in general when it comes to Star Trek and even great shows for that matter that are long since done that yeah. you can apply it to, to today. Oh yeah, completely, completely. I mean, look at the Bajorans, for example, are like a race of people who are oppressed. You know, war survivors built rebuilding a society, um, a deeply religious society. I mean, there's got to be with all the you know the mi refugee migrant crisis that's happening around the world. That could easily be applied. People who are fleeing war, people who are trying to rebuild society after war. I I definitely think that the Bajorans could be. Um, compared to that and even and I know we're discussing this during corona so mm. um, 
the, the disease that Section 31 implants into the founders. Grant you, not apples to apples comparison, but we're, we're going through something like that. Totally. Or the, the phage from Voyager, mm -hmm. even. I, something I, like that. I didn't even think of that. I forgot about the Vidians. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you're totally right. You can apply, you know, if you, you actually think hard enough, you can apply everything to um, to real life. And that's a testament to the fact that um, they're writing about people. It's like real issues. Yes, it's, you know, in the future. Yes, it's on a starship. But they're still writing about people at the end of the day. So that's what I love about Star Trek. Okay. What's the first episode you want to talk about? In your okay. And your tops of. All right. So it was very hard to choose some top episodes. Um, but I'm a big fan of Q and I'm also a big fan of the Borg episodes. So I'd love to talk about Q who, first of all. Um, and the reason why I love this episode is because it introduces us to the Borg. Um, but I just, there's so much that I love about the episode. I, I, I even love the introduction to the episode where I think there's a new Ensign Gomez, I believe her name is. Yep, being awkward. Yeah, is that her name? Yeah. Being awkward, chatting to Jordy, you know, spilling her hot chocolate all over Picard. I, I just love that. But what I love is the foreshadowing that's set up at the beginning of that episode where, um, you know, she's just saying, I'm just so excited. I'm so excited to, um, you know, uh, find and explore new worlds. And I'm just ready for whatever the Enterprise has got to throw at me. And then we get the Borg. And I just, I love that idea. And um, Q, I think, says to Picard that he's arrogant and, you know, that Starfleet are arrogant. Um, and I think it's true. Do you, do you, I mean, they, I, they believe they can talk their way out of a lot of things. And what do you think? I agree with you. But the thing, the, the quote specifically from Q that just stands mm. out to me, it's at the end of the episode. Mm -hmm. Basically, Picard says, I, the lesson could have been learned without the loss of lives of my people. If you can't take a bloody nose, then maybe you should go home and crawl under your bed. It's not safe <laughs> out here. It's wondrous. But treasures to satiate desire, both subtle and gross. But it's not for the timid. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That is, that is wonderful knowledge, Jamie. <laughs> Well, that's what happens when you're Star Trek encyclopedia. Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> but he's he's right. Um, but what I just love about the episode is it, everything that we need to know about this new uh, formidable force is given to us. So when the scout drone, you know, comes onto the Enterprise, we find out you know he's uh, impervious to to phaser. Um, you know, he starts to adapt. Uh, we find out he's a scout. We find out he's only interested in technology. Um, and then when they finally um, beam on to the cube, I actually think the set is great. Um, we find out, you know, what a cube looks like. We find out the vastness of the cube when, you know, the, the camera um, pans out. I just love it. I think it was so cleverly written. Um, and we also get this idea that the Federation have got this big uh, evil, you know, coming up later on in the series. And I just, that's what I just love about that episode. What's really funny 
that you even bring that up. I'm actually going to go back to season one because the idea of the Borg actually started in the episode, uh, the neutral zone. It's a season, right. the season one finale where mm -hmm. they basically say uh, outposts on both sides of the Romulan and the Federation neutral zone have been scooped up machine elements and everything. Yes, that's actually referenced in the Q who, um, episode because when they get when they i think they um they scan the planets mm -hmm. and they say that everything mechanical has been scooped out of the ground and i think they say there's something like just crevices left in the in the ground um yeah so that that's a good reference to that episode actually and i didn't notice that before so thank you for that um the other big thing from the episode and we never really ever ever get a payoff to it or any backstory is that Q and Guinan have known each other for centuries. Yes. yes, because essentially Guinan is a new character to the season and we don't know very much about her. Um, and yes, you're absolutely right. Guinan, we discover, has this backstory with this entity. Um, you know, that's when we find out she's more than just mere mere mortal like the rest of us there's something deeper about this character and i love that as well um and uh i i think she's a great character for uh helping us to get to know other characters you know um quite often in the enterprise a lot of things happen in 10 forward uh, in her space um and yeah so i think she's a great character for that um although i'd never really thought about her until i started choosing some of my favorite episodes which sounds a bit weird, but I always just thought of her as a, a character on the periphery. I didn't realize how important she actually was to the show. Well, what's funny is that we were talking before the podcast and you said you love Q episodes and he's very, very rarely in any, in all of Star Trek, he's mm -hmm. in 11 episodes. It's, it's, it's crazy, but every episode he's basically in is like a, is an instant, hit whether the only one i'll take off that list is the one time he was on deep space nine he did not work with cisco <laughs> but when he was with janeway or with he with, with he was with our tng cast yeah it mm -hmm. was gold yeah there's just something about him that you love to hate i just love him even though he's selfish <laughs> and then on the flip side guinan was in about 15 to 20 episodes of next gen right Mm -hmm. at least once every year i think she yeah. was used a lot season two because they built the 10 forward set for whippy go whoopie goldberg and yeah. i think she was in a lot of season three i want to say mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but i love that character and and in, in a lot of ways guinan is what i think deanna should have been Ah, yeah, because she's very empathetic with people, isn't she? And very understanding. So that's really interesting. So do you like the Deanna Troy character? Um, spoiler for those who haven't heard my thoughts on Deanna from, <laughs> from, from Picard. In those few scenes, you see Marina Sirtis as Troy. Years after she's been on the Enterprise, there was yes. more character in her in those scenes than I ever saw in seven seasons of Next Gen. Right. So do you think that's a writing issue or is it an acting issue? <laughs> no, it, it's most definitely a writing issue because I take, 
throughout Star Trek, there there have been really, really well-written women characters and they're really, really poorly served women characters. Dr. Mm -hmm. Crusher and uh, Deanna Troy and even though she was only in 26 episodes in the first season, Tasha Yar were very underserved as characters. Mm. And that's the fault of the writers. I happen to think that all three of those women are really good actors. But you mm-hmm. see the flip side with Guinan in the same show. You give her a specific task or specific things. Yes, Whoopi Goldberg is an amazing actress and nobody will disagree oh. with me on that. But mm-hmm. if the actors can only elevate writing but so much. Yeah. I Yeah, I definitely agree with you in that I don't particularly enjoy the Beverly Crusher character. I don't think there's much substance to her. And I actually preferred Dr. Palastri. Um, See, I, I, I just had this conversation with somebody else. And mm. she, she asked me, so do you like Pulaski or not? And why do people hate Pulaski? I said, it's very simple. The reason why, I, why a lot of people hate Pulaski is because she was supposed to be like the McCoy of Next Gen. Yes, I can see that. She was quite stern and to the point. And, and Data is supposed to be the Spock. What, but the, the problem in that dynamic is, is that Pulaski is looked on beating up the little kid who can't defend himself in Data. Yeah. And that's why people hate her. Whereas in, right. the, in this McCoy and Spock relationship... McCoy gave and Spock gave as good as he got. Yeah, 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 because she does enter the show not liking artificial life forms. I, yeah, I can totally see why people, and, and Data is such a lovable character. Yeah, I can see how that happened. Data, what's the difference? <laughs> One is my name, the other is not. <laughs> Yeah, he's such a lovable character, and um, actually, one of my favorite episodes um, features him, um, Data's Day. I, I love that episode so much. I have to agree with you. I also like the fact that it also, you start to get more backstory for one of my favorite background characters, who eventually becomes a main character in Deep Space Nine and Chief O'Brien. Yeah, I know, I know. Um, I just love the beginning of it. When, uh, you know, Keiko wants to call off the wedding and uh, unfortunately it's down to Data to give Miles the news. I've got some great news for you. (laughs) You know, thinking this is what makes Keiko happy. She's called off the wedding. I love it. Hey, Data, maybe I should give the good news next time. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, poor Jordy. (laughs) Trying to like advise him at the end. And then I think he he finishes off his letter saying, um, you know, I think my study of humans or something needs uh, needs more work or whatever it is. My study of giving bad news or good news. It's, it's just so amusing. I think the, mo- um, the most amusing part of the whole episode, save, we'll save the Romulan Vulcan thing for a little later, but yeah, the, Data goes into the, the barber shop. Hey, Data, <laughs> do you, are you getting, a, getting your hair trimmed? My hair does not require trimming, you lunkhead. What? <laughs> My hair does not require trimming you lunkhead. Lunkhead? Where'd you get that? That that that, that that's just mm. 
I love it. And I just love that you get to see other characters in different ways, like uh, Gates McFadden, tap dancing, for example. I, I brings me so much joy. <laughs> I, I love, because there were three orphan characters at the beginning of Next Gen. You had Tasha, you had Worf, and you had Data. Now you only mm -hmm. have Data and Worf. So when mm -hmm. you're seeing Worf pick out, you know, the gifts and, and Worf is like, I have given these things at human weddings. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and um, it, at human weddings, there's so much talking and dancing and sometimes crying. He <laughs> says something along those lines. And that's how he ends up going to Dr. Crusher. I mm -hmm. just, just the episode is so uplifting. You find out so much about Data and how hard he is trying to work behind his own job to fit in on the Enterprise and it just doesn't quite work out. And it's just so well written and the comedy is just so well timed and placed. I just love it. Well, I'm going to segue just slightly. We're going to stay yeah. on data though. Okay. And I'm going to, we're going to go backtrack to season three on this one for the mm -hmm. offspring because that too, that, that, that's such a lovely episode. It's the first time any Star Trek actor has, directed a star trek episode in jonathan frakes and he directed that great piece to you know like learn how data looks at even his the fine finite nature of his existence and he mm -hmm. wants to procreate and he wants to make sure that he's giving back to something that has given him so much yeah yeah and I think, is it Lal? Is that his daughter? Yes, and that means beloved. Yeah, it's, she's so sweet as well. It, that, it's just a lovely episode, and her interactions with Riker um, are just absolutely gorgeous. And um, yeah, I just love all of the Data episodes. I love uh, A Fistful of Datas as well. Um, that, I, that nearly made my top five but i had to stop somewhere and so i chose data's day but i just love the diana and wharf duo in that especially when Worf figures out that westerns are badass <laughs> <laughs> love that part <laughs> so uh the romulan vulcan yeah thing. it's I weird because it's almost like the backstory but then it actually becomes the story mm -hmm. um I, I actually wondered if they needed that in the episode. I think if only because they needed it, just because they needed a B story. Yeah, quite possibly, quite possibly. Um, but I would have happily just watched a full-blown Data's Day oh, episode. <laughs> me too, because when Star, Star Trek is done right, which we, told, we, we talked about before, it's character stuff, it's, it's issue stuff. And yeah. the, I think I think what draws people in general to next generation, people think of next generation as Star Trek, especially people our age, mm -hmm. because we are around that age that that was the show that was on TV when we grow up. That, yeah, absolutely. That, you know, besides the fact that, you know, we saw them every week, mm -hmm. is that, mm -hmm. you know, that cast of characters, that those people they're all friends off camera they they were laughing and it and have jokes and whatnot and it shows through the camera lens there's very little a camera lens won't show you 
when you're mm. watching a TV show. You can yeah. you can tell the days that you know certain actors were not having it that day. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or whether yeah, I- or whether they're actually feeling the emotion that the character's supposed to be feeling. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Um shall I move on to my third episode? Yes, if you so choose. <laughs> um I'm going to mention this one next because you were talking about Tasha uh, and it's yesterday's enterprise. Um, you know, the very, I actually, when I rewatched this episode, um, I cried <laughs> because um, I felt like Tasha, I, I know that she wanted to leave the show um, due to pressures and things like that, but I actually hated the way she left the show. I hated that she was just gone in the blink of an eye. And I was sure the very first episode, or the very first time I watched the episode where she died, could you remind me what it's called? Again? Skin of Evil. Yes. I was sure she was going to come back, and she didn't. And I actually really enjoyed that character. And I, can, I know a lot of people didn't. And, um, you know, Worf was just the natural sort of replacement into her role as security officer. Um, but I really liked her and felt like she had a lot of potential. So I feel like yesterday's Enterprise was a really, really excellent way for Tasha to redeem herself as a character. Um, and I just, it also brings up those big moral issues that we were talking about that Star Trek is not afraid to address. Um, the fact that Yes, we've got this causality, temporal um, issue uh, going on, but we've also got the fact that if we send the Enterprise C back, they're going to immediately die. But they have to, to because again, Guinan uh, understands that this is going to, you know, not everything is the, the way it should be. It's going to destroy the, the the time loop. And Tasha steps up. She knows that, um, and she figures out that she's not meant to be there. And uh, I believe Guinan tells her that it's a meaningless death and this is a way for her to find meaning. And um, I cried. <laughs> I also like it. Nikki from Greece is in it. <laughs> um, funny enough that you mentioned this episode, it made my top list in one of my podcasts I did a couple of weeks ago, but mm. I even mentioned in that podcast, I'll mention it here. A lot of people, don't call yesterday's enterprise it's definitely in the top of a lot of people's lists don't get me wrong they do not call it the city on the edge of forever of next generation they call the inner light Mm -hmm. that episode to me it is because if you go apples to apples comparison this is time travel yeah Yeah. time travel it's also you're dealing with issues you're in Picard's case, you're deciding to send somebody back in time that you know that you're, that they're going back to die. And in Kirk's case, you have to allow somebody that you have fallen in love with that, you know, if they don't die, things will not go the way they should. And then you can't get back to what you were at. Mm -hmm. So that's my apples to apples comparison. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I, I think it's uh, an absolutely noteworthy um, episode. Um, it, it really shows Picard being put, I mean, he's often put in a difficult position, but it really shows like the big decisions needing to be made for the greater good. 
um, which I guess is what the Federation and is all about, really. Um, that's why I wanted to mention that one, just because I really like her character. And then, of course, from that, it spawns Romulan Yar, <laughs> um, which I find her a fun character. Um, I like her too. I wish they had done more with her. Yes, I agree. I feel like there's there's so much more that they could do with a lot of characters, but you know, maybe they've just got to progress the stories. Well, I don't know. Well, the mandate basically for Next Generation first was we're not going to mention the original series. We're going to pretend like it didn't exist. Even though yeah. the first couple of episodes, you look at the episode titles and even some of the stories, they're rehashes of original series episodes. Okay? Mm -hmm. And then when we get to, you know, season three, which I've said is probably my favorite season of Star Trek, period. Yeah. Yeah. We get this is when Iris Stephen Bear, your writer producer for for Deep Space Nine, he was on for just mm -hmm. this one season, and for Next Gen, and then he goes on to Deep Space Nine. But they wanted to, you know, Next Gen and Voyager very episodic. There's no real consequences. What you and mm -hmm. I like about Deep Space Nine is the running serialized nature, the future of Netflix in 1994. Really, <laughs> yeah. Um, but to carry on a character's arc or decisions that a character's made would have made that so much more impactful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, agreed, agreed. And I also agree that when I look through a lot of my favorite episodes, they come from season three um, of uh, TNG. In fact, like the first series, I thought, whoa, it took it a long time to find itself. And by season three, it's absolutely flying. I just love that season so much. I actually don't know if you know this, but the first two seasons of Next Gen were rife with strife in the writer's room because there were people from the original show like Bob Justman, uh, David Gerald, DC Fontana, who were on the writing mm -hmm. staff who then left, partly because of Roddenberry, partly because of uh, Roddenberry's lawyer, Leonard LeMay's like going in and like changing their scripts. So then they brought yeah. in another producer to, you know oversee the writing so when you get to season two you get an uptick in quality but there's no real solid writing staff so that when you finally get to season three we get the entrance of michael pillar and the stabilizing mm -hmm. force of hey this is where our quality is all the way up here and we're going to keep it down yeah. it very the reason why season three is my favorite season of Star Trek is that there's very little variation in quality. It's all really up here. That's, I agree. And that's not to say that there aren't any clunkers in, in the season because most definitely there are. Mm -hmm. But on the whole, it's got to be like an 80% like success rate in episodes, at least to me. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's a fantastic series. Um, season three um and i don't think that it is topped at all i actually think <laughs> there are some really great episodes then going on up to series seven but it never matches three um and um talking about story arcs or not really story arcs but backgrounds um i'd love to talk about sins of the father um <laughs> i love Worf as a character i love the klingons um like i'm not i mean 
I would totally watch a spin-off show about somebody like Martok, um, you know, and all his like trials and tribulations and, uh, you know, Curzon Dax go riding out with the, the Klingons. Would, would you not watch something like that? I honestly would watch a warp centric show. I really yeah, me too. I really would. I, I told you this before. I think I mentioned it earlier today. My favorite character from Discovery is Stamets. Stamets reminds me of Worf because mm. Worf mm. reminds me of my dad because he's yeah. so so blunt, so like <laughs> not even politically correct. It's just like this is what the opinion is. I don't care. How, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. This is what it is. Yeah. Actually, um, before we talk about Sins of the Father, I forgot to mention the absolute golden opening scene with Worf and Guinan at the beginning of yesterday's Enterprise. That whole prune juice. <laughs> what is um, it? <laughs> it's prune juice. A warrior's drink. <laughs> but that, it's just, that, that has its own... That, that interaction between Worf and Guinan is, is something else because then... She's like, you. I see you drinking here alone. Why don't you? Why don't you look for companionship? I would need a Klingon woman for yeah. companionship. <laughs> yes. Coward. I was merely thinking of the safety of my crewmates. I love it. I know. I know. I just love it. And then, of course, it jumps. It totally just jumps, and we get Tasha as head of security. I cannot believe. I apologize to anybody who may or may not be listening out there that I forgot to mention that, but it's just a lovely little uh, com comic moment. <laughs> I'll even give you a little tidbit that very many, uh, not many people ever notice. Mm -hmm. Deanna's in the episode. She does, She's the only character that doesn't have lines in the main cast. Oh, is she just floating around in the background? <laughs> well, she's, she's not in, on the Enterprise in the alternate timeline. She's only on the bridge at the beginning at the end at the end. <laughs> before and after the time shift. I'm gonna have to go back and watch that because I don't think I've noticed that. Another little tidbit is is that at the end when Jordy's talking to Guinan, he's wearing mm. the alternate uniform. Right. So it's all these little details that make it. I'm gonna have to go back and watch that actually. That's definitely my next watch. Um, but Sins of the Father, absolutely love getting backstory on Worf. Um, you know, I, I actually love the episode where Riker does the exchange program. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think the very first time I watched Sins of the Father, I, I did not see it going the way it was going to go. I thought it might be like a comedy episode where all the characters have to deal with this Klingon on the ship. But no, what a revelation. We find out that uh, Worf does have family. And, uh, <laughs> oh my goodness. And he has to go and defend his honor, like all good Klingons should. And we, um, we find out that he's more Klingon than any of the Klingons. Yeah. And that, and, and that he was he was raised by humans, basically. Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. And um, again, Picard stepping in there, showing off his prowess as a negotiator, as a person who understands what seems to be all cultures. <laughs> Can anybody actually live up to the card? <laughs> you have no place here, human. He is now my chadich. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Of course, yes. Not, not, not us mere mortals, Jamie, but Picard is. Um, and I just, I just love seeing 
how the inner workings of the Klingon Empire take place. I love the corruption of it. And I love that Worf basically sacrifices his honor for the greater good of the Klingon Empire. I I couldn't agree with you more, but the two thing the two scenes that you know just jump out at me. Mm. First is the utter, first time we ever hear Worf utter, it is a good day to die, Doros, and the day is not yet over. Is that the very first time he uses that line? Yes. Excellent. Yes, that, that line is a keeper. <laughs> and then the other one that, you know, it jumps out at me at, as I'm an older brother. Mm. So I completely get where Worf is coming from is when they're, mm. when Worf asks, uh, Kern to be his Chadich. Mm -hmm. And he. Oh, I know what you're going to say. Where <laughs> I insist in, on this ship, you are, are my commander and I obey. But in council chambers, you are my Chadich. Yeah, do I not knew. Insist, you obey. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, I knew it. I knew you were going to say that one. Yeah, I actually thought you were going to say when he's lying on the doctor's table after being stabbed, you should have let him die. <laughs> <laughs> that 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 go that goes out for me. It, it, it sticks out, but being an older brother, that that sticks out to me as a wharf, <laughs> but the one scene that really sticks out, Riker is my favorite next gen character, which may surprise, which may surprise some people because a lot of people like Picard, a lot of people like Data, a lot of people like Worf. Very met, very rarely do you ever hear Beverly, Jordy, or Cro no. or Deanna, which is sad yeah. because I enjoy all of them and they didn't have as much as I personally would have liked. But Riker, yeah. Riker's it. So when they're in the turbo lift. And Riker's offering his suggestion. Oh yes, that 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 is what like I. This is not a Klingon ship, sir. No, Commander, it is not. If it were a Klingon ship, I would have killed you for offering your suggestion. <laughs> and another great, another absolutely great scene is when he's um, testing uh, the human food. And Picard is telling him about the beluga caviar and how it's not replicated and how he's kept all this expensive um, the odor, caviar. The odor is now palatable. What is it? The large eggs of a large scaleless. Later, Mr. Data, a fish commander, <laughs> a delicacy from the Caspian Sea. A replicator has never done it justice. So I've managed to store a couple of cases for special occasions. Precisely. And then he just slops it on his plate and walks off. Um, there's just it's just really great Star Trek in that, you know, we've got the main story, but we also have those beautifully written comedic moments. It also is one of one of the few next gen episodes where you get a little thread and you take the thread and you bring it into the next season when you get oh, yeah. when you get Kalar back and then Later on, when we get to see Kern and Gowron again in Redemption, but I digress. No, absolutely, absolutely. I, I just think it's a great episode, and I, like I said, I love anything with the Klingons in it. Um, so I'm going to talk about my very last episode now, um, and it's um, it's a Picard episode, and it's Captain's Holiday. I, when I rewatched. 
the next generation, I literally smiled from ear to ear for the whole time I was watching this episode. Um, I know that um, Picard can come across as a bit, um, mm, I don't know, wooden at times. You know, he doesn't want to, not that, I don't mean that Patrick Stewart is wooden. He's an excellent um, actor. But you know, he's like, he's so stern. Everything's by the book. You're, you're, uh, you're th the phrase you're looking for is stuck up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he is a bit stuck up. You're right. You're right. Um, and then we get to see him go to Riza. Is that our first reference to Riza? I was wondering. I want to say yes. I want to say yes, because you, you keep hearing about pleasure planets, but never a specific mention of Risa. Yeah, yeah. And I love that it's uh, Riker that's um, suggested it to him. And we all know that he's a bit of a ladies man. I do and then from the moment he gets there, it's just pure pleasure. Um, I love Vash. I think she's a fantastic character. Um, I think she's uh, the polar opposite of Picard. And that's where the, uh, the comedy comes from. Um, what is the object that uh, Riker asks him to pick up, Jamie? The, the Horgon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's genius. It's just it's thrown in there. Are you, this... are you seeking Jamaharon? <laughs> yeah. or, or the fifth person who asked me that today, or whatever it wait, happens to be. Wait, wait, why? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I just love it. And I love Ferengi as well. Um, I love Ferengi episodes, um, like throughout all of, of Star Trek, not just the next generation. Um, I just think they're great little uh, characters um, and it's just amusing. Funny. Also, time. Sorry. I, I, no, I, you I was about to say, funny enough that you even say that, that's Max Grudenchik, Rom. Yes, I knew that. I knew that. Uh, yes, I, one thing I knew. <laughs> Yeah, he's fantastic. So did he get cast as Rom based off of that episode? I think it's a possibility. I though, Although I think that when they were auditioning for Deep Space Nine, Max actually auditioned for Quark, just like Armin Shimmerman did. Oh. And those two, and funnily enough, both of them appear on Next Gen as Ferengi before the Ferengi that they eventually played. Oh, I didn't know that. Armin Shimmerman was in The Last Outpost and was the main Ferengi in that, ap in, in that episode. Okay. His makeup must be, it must be quite, is it quite different from the Quark? Not, aesthetic? not really, but you're, you got a different look just because he was hunched over versus mm. standing up straight. When he's quirky, standing up straight. Yeah. And, you know, you got the different costumes that yeah. they were wearing. Yeah. Ah, interesting. They do recycle actors a lot in Star Trek, though, don't they? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you see a bunch of it in the original show. Like, you'll see them, like, one week as one person, and then two weeks down the line, they'll have the same person as a different character. Yeah, 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 yeah. I guess it makes sense. <laughs> but um, I just love um, seeing Picard away from... Uh, his federation duties and and what he likes to do uh you know i love that he uh well I, I, you know that he's going to be into reading and and then further down the line we find out he's into archaeology and excavation and things like that um but i just love how he goes off on this little quest with vash 
and how he gets into these sort of scrapes in the episode. I just love it. It's just lighthearted. I know that it's not lots of people's favorite because they think it's cheesy um, and maybe a bit twee, but I like it as a bit of light relief and I like finding out more about Picard. Well, I told you before, I like I can find the good and the bad and pick it out of any Star Trek episode. So mm. to, it's not my personal favorite, but I wouldn't say it's like one of the worst episodes ever I've ever seen. So yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that's just the reason why I picked it, just because it's just lighthearted and it makes me smile. <laughs> I don't have like there's not major things that I can comment on it other than you know thieves from the future. Um. <laughs> Yeah, the I I can't even remember what their names are now. I don't remember. I mean, I think that their makeup's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Their it's, their it's, costumes. It's the one. It's, it's the one time you see something that's so completely alien done with done with makeup in Next Generation. Yeah, yeah. It, I think they look great. I I didn't like their costumes. I thought I didn't enjoy that, but the actual prosthetics I thought were fantastic with those characters. Um. So yeah, that's that's all I've got to say. Those are, I guess, those are my uh, favorite episodes. I mean, I love. I've got so many episodes. You know what? But, I decided while we were talking that yeah. I, I want to hit these two part episodes that you gave me. Oh yeah. And we're gonna. Well, I want to start with because I'm gonna say my personal favorite out of the three mm-hmm. for last because that's the big one. Mm-hmm. So we'll mm-hmm. go. We'll go Chain of Command. Held captive as a prisoner of war, Picard must endure the cruelest punishment imaginable. You cannot just abandon him. He's gone. Will torture leave him a forgotten casualty of war? I can't believe you're willing to sacrifice Captain Picard's life as a negotiation test. Are you questioning my judgment, Commander? Or can he survive the most brutal test of courage in his life? You cannot hurt me! On Star Trek The Next Generation. Okay. <laughs> I I just love this episode purely for the strength of Picard. Um it you know you talk about real life situations. I mean, take away um the whole space science fiction and I can imagine that happening that being a torture scenario. Um I think Picard's convictions are so strong in the episode. It's so well written. All of the actors play their parts so well. It's um, it's fantastic. It's also heartbreaking as well. And I, you know, when we know that Picard is about to be released, it does actually make you question: Is he going to give in? And of course, we're never brought to that that moment. Um, but it's a very, very interesting question. What does it take? for someone to break what how how long are you willing to stand before you break and i just thought that that was a an excellent um example of um you know just humanity and a, it was just a, a, a great human episode regardless of whether it was science fiction or picard that's what i love about that episode i love that episode for all those reasons and for the fact that you know patrick stewart with, with this episode, I think it brought to our consciousness. We keep t- saying that Star Trek is an issue show. This is when yeah. POWs and, and whatnot were 
a big thing and PTSD and all this other stuff was really coming into the consciousness. And yeah. I, that's what, what draws me into it. And, and uh, the other thing is that I told you Riker's my favorite character, <laughs> just him busting Jellicoe's balls the whole entire time. Yeah. It's just like 100% like my favorite part. Now, grant you, I love Patrick Stewart's acting throughout the whole thing. There's nothing yeah. I would change about it because I've heard POWs and people who have been tortured. They kind of just, they kind of draw, I, I think Patrick drew on that for his mm. performance. And that, that, very, that rang very true to me hearing some stories myself about mm. what, what, what has gone on. And with um, Will Riker, again, he's just being a dick to Jellico because th he's like, this is how things work on the Enterprise. Well, I'm changing all that crap. Yeah, yeah. You can either get on board with it or you, I can relieve you of duty. Yeah. I mean, I was actually scared at one point that he was going to be the new <laughs> like captain of the of the enterprise. I would have stopped watching. <laughs> I did he did he did not mesh well, but he was also not meant exactly. to mesh well. Yes, you're right. You're right. He was meant to be a juxtaposition. For the re for the characters that we know and love, um, one of the most disturbing parts I think of Chain of Command is the little girl mm. who's allowed to torture yeah. Chamber and what she's told about Picard and humans. And I think that that does happen in societies, you know, where uh, the populace are just told something about another, uh, you know, ethnic group, another country whatever it happens to be and you trust your government a lot of people trust what the government or the media are saying and i think that was what that was meant to replicate almost and that's one of the most disturbing parts of that episode for me i i think that part but also the follow-up to it your daughter is lovely yes i know i know because she you know, she she is a sweet little lovely thing, but she's being tainted, isn't she? Mm -hmm. Every, gradually, you know, little by little. Um, yeah, it's just it's just so well written. It's just a fantastic episode or a group of episodes, a duo. That's all I've got to say on that. <laughs> Thank you, Forrest Gump. <laughs> um, Times Arrow. On the next exciting episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. It seems clear that my life is to end in the late 19th century. Data faces a shocking fate. We've lost him. And embarks on a mission of no return. I'm not willing to accept that he's dead and just leave it at that. Now, to bring him back alive. My God. The crew must cross a chilling gateway into terror. Data! Next time on Star Trek The Next Generation. Oh, I just, I just think, right, I love episodes, well, I've just discovered where they go back in time. <laughs> I love those episodes. I love the, when we get to see the characters away from the, the starship, you know, so when they go down to planets, when they go back in time, whatever, I just think 
it's like a it's like a it's a great mystery. I love the opening where we we have Data's head. <laughs> I actually think the prop looks amazing. Mm-hmm. Doesn't it? And um, you know, it stands up to time. I think as well. I I I actually love it when science fiction uses props rather than like the CGI that's available at the time. Mm-hmm. I always think it stands more true. I've actually I've actually thought about that myself, and I think the reason why I like the original series movies over say like the next gen movies mm. other than the writing quality which we can get into that eventually at some point but the model work on the that those ships so by the time we get to first contact you're you're fully into the cgi era yeah grant you you have a couple of shots where they actually built the enterprise e a lot of it is 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 cgi when you're talking about wrath wrath of Khan, you had to painstakingly adjust the ships and photograph the effects and then place it and then cut the film and i've always thought that that always looks so much more real to me even yes. even to today's standards where yeah. grant, grant you that you could have the best cgi ever and i could tell you i could tell you that cgi yeah exactly yeah definitely so so i really enjoyed that um Another thing that I really enjoyed was actually how well Data melds with the the characters. Um, You know, even though he's this non-human, you know, android from the future, he actually fits well into the society. I am a Frenchman. (laughs) And that explains everything. (laughs) And just to give you your Deep Space Nine connection, Marco Limo, Mm -hmm. Gold Ducat. Yes, as the uh, the the card shark. Yes, yeah. I just, I just, I just love it. I just love the Guinan um, connection. Um, you know, you, we find out a lot more about her and how, how her age almost. Like she's actually young in that, isn't she? And yeah. it's like she's allowed to go off and explore. Um, I love the twain character. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love how he changes and progresses. I just think it's really inventive. It's really fun. Um, I, ju- I just really enjoy Times Arrow. It's, it's one of those episode, well, double episodes where you can just dip in and dip out of Next Generation if you want to. Um, and that's just what I love about it. I think what I love about that episode, well, number one is... I love time travel. I love the fact that you can meet Samuel Clemens and Jack London. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. But the thing about this episode, two things that I love. One's a guy in an Picard thing, and the other one yeah. is a turbo lift scene. So the, oh, the, 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 the Picard and Guinan scene is Picard coming to 10 forward before the mission before mm-hmm. he decides he's gonna go. Yeah. Do you know how we met? Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> of course I do. Don't be so sure, because if you don't go on this mission, yeah. we'll never meet. That's right, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, I just, it's just a great fun episode. It didn't make my top, but I just had to give it a mention, um, just because it's just so well written, it's so fun. The costumes are amazing. I just love it. But the turbo lift scene is actually 
originally it's Deanna and Will, and then Data comes into the turbo lift. They're literally talking about how. Oh, is that when he finds out? Obviously, he's being talked some, about. I, yes, I love that. Is it, is it true? No. Yes. yes. <laughs> no. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it, I know. It, it's just that our our mental our how do you put it? As I experience sensory input patterns, my mental capacities become accustomed to them, accustomed to them, and then are missed when absent. Is what Deanna says that Data says, and then Riker says something to that effect. It's just that our our what she he basically parrots back what Deanna says, and then Data just nods and says, "I understand. I am particularly fond of you, Commander. You as well, Counselor." I think the reaction that the crew has to him shows that he has transcended his role as the android aboard ship. You know, people actually feel emotion towards him and that's lovely. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. And you're right. Like I forgot about those little moments. It's been a while since I've watched time's arrow, but I'd, you know, it's very memorable. And now that you've mentioned that it's, it does stick in my mind, which just is a testament to the writing really. I think. I, I, I think it's not only a testament to the writing. It's just that, that group of the cast members that they just had something it's like with the original show the original show when they got kirk spock and mccoy together i'm not even going to add the others even that they played their parts but the main three that mm -hmm. were always there were shatner nimoy and kelly so that, yeah that was like lightning in a bottle and then when they got yeah. that that group of nine originally eight whenever uh denise left and then seven when will left mm. they had lightning in a bottle you could put any pairing of characters together and it was going to be something magical yeah 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 absolutely it's like you said you can tell that they they worked very well together um and they were just a joy to watch i love the next generation <laughs> now finally the big one it's the one that everybody puts on their list I am Locutus of Borg. Resistance is futile. Your life as it has been is over. From this time forward, you will service us. Yeah, exactly. Um, the reason why I um, didn't choose Best of Both Worlds is because I just thought, well, everybody probably talks about that one. <laughs> I just said to you, I think it is the most killer season finale ever. <laughs> I just love, and I, I actually love Locutus. I would have loved to have seen more done with Locutus. I told you before that original the original plan grant you we were not in the serial lot we did we, we were like two years away from deep space nine even like becoming mm. an idea yeah and even like three or uh we were like five years away from it becoming serialized 
the way it became mm-hmm. serialized because the first couple of years it was episodic like like Voyager and Next Gen mm. but first the the way the way they ended it epic it's like who shot JR oh amazing um then we get into the reasons why they ended it the way they ended it Michael Pillar didn't know if he was going to come back for mm. season four so he wrote them into a corner figuring i'm not going to get them out of said corner there was yeah. also uh, patrick stewart didn't know or the studio didn't know if they were going to bring back patrick stewart because apparently there was some thing going on so they didn't know what they were going to do with that and then when they were in between seasons they were trying to figure out hey should we have like an arc of like three or four episodes Whereas, you know, I do look at it as actually a three episode arc with family being the other part, Mm -hmm. because it's definitely a one. uh, It's one of the few episodes you get that string attached, albeit very, very close to the episodes that we're talking about. Mm. But it's 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 back. It's more you get more for Wesley, you get more for Worf and you get more for Jean-Luc. You get more backstory in that for Jean-Luc than I think any episode besides Tapestry. Yeah. But we also get introduced to one of the more divisive characters in Star Trek, if only because of how they, how this particular character treated our number one. And I honestly would have watched Shelby and Riker as a tag team on the Enterprise if (laughs) Locutus had been you know extinguished and we never got Picard back or even or even if we got Picard back but if we sidelined Jean-Luc for a little bit had Shelby and Riker be a team for a little bit Mm. and then Shelby went off or Jonathan Frakes I mean Riker went off I would have watched that but you could see when in part two which I told you you know it was so anticlimactic the way they did it because you had such a buildup. There was never going to be enough for anybody mm-hmm. where it would have been, would have been as epic as, as part one. So it, it was always kind of doomed to fail in that aspect. But you think about, it was kind of like, this is a problem I have with TV shows nowadays anyways, that you get, you take really the cheap way out of a situation mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that 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 was the intention, yeah, at all. But you you wrote yourself into a corner. You can't like yeah. navigate yourself. By, by cheap way, do you mean never fully realizing the potential of the story? I'm, like never following it through. Is that what you mean? I'm kind of like teetering on. I definitely think it should have been three episodes. Mm-hmm. Because the, yeah, you, 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 they, they literally like jam packed like everything. I would have liked part two, either as a season opener or even like an in, like a I don't know 25, 30 minute interlude. You could have done in the middle of the break to mm, entice yeah. you to get to in quotes part three. Yeah, and then yeah. you get your family after that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I've, I've, I've always, I, I grant you budgets back then and not having CGI, having to build all the models. You would never, I don't think you 
whatever. And we even, we got a little glimpse of it in Emissary, the Battle of Wolf 359. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's something I personally would have liked to see. Yeah, yeah. I Yeah, I, I just really, like you say, the, the first part is absolutely amazing, killer, um, but slightly anticlimactic after that. I am glad that we got Picard back. <laughs> I, I'm also glad we got Picard back, but main takeaways from the whole entire two parts is that Riker and Shelby interaction mm. after she goes behind Riker's back yeah, yeah, to, yeah. To, to do the to do the plan. I will never forget those lines ever. Go because, on, Jamie. Because it, it's it's just mm. <laughs> You disagree with me, fine. You need to take it to the captain, fine, through me. You do an unrun around me again, I'll snap you back so hard you're, you think you're a first-year cadet again. May I speak freely, sir? By all means. You're in my way. Really? How terrible for you. All you know how to do is play it safe. That's why I guess someone like you sits in the shadow of a great man while you pa- pass up Ooh. after one command opportunity after <laughs> yeah. Proceed to decade. When it comes to this ship and this crew, you're damn right I play it safe. If you can't make the big decisions, Commander, I suggest you make room for someone who can. Oh, snap. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, in a way, hmm, you're not going to like this because I know that you're a Riker fan. Okay. There are some little truths in that, isn't there? I mean, he offered his command several times <laughs> you know what i agree with you but i <laughs> do you? i do it it's not like i disagree like i love Riker. he he's basically mm. the kirk of next gen which is yeah. why i like yeah. him so much Indeed. but i think he knew he wasn't ready i think he yeah. knew because you you get you find out in the first season of next gen he was offered his own command before Accepting yep. the Enterprise, right. you get mm-hmm. the uh, the command opportunity in um, the Icarus Factor in se- the second season when yep. Riker's dad comes. Yeah, and on and on and on. You keep hearing throughout this the series, mm. you know, Riker passing up command opportunities, and even when even before this conversation, Will is asking Deanna that, "Hey, I used to be driven. What is wrong with me?" Yeah. But but she says something very, very, very wise. It's one of the few times I'm like, this is this is the type of crap that I wish that she did more often. <laughs> because she's like, I don't know what that means. All I know is is that you're happier here, happier than I've ever known you to be. So the only question you need to ask is, what do you want, Will Riker? Mm, yeah. And, and he always wanted to be on the best ship. If he couldn't yeah. command the Enterprise at that point in time, mm-hmm. and and that's actually what Riker says to Picard when he's like talking about the Melbourne, she's a fine ship, Will. Yes, but she's not the Enterprise. Yes, I remember that. So even though he can't command her, or even though he's not ready to, he's still happy to serve on her. Well, first, it's the- first of all, he's got a badass captain. Yeah, true. He's on the a mar- great crew. A great crew. He's on the flagship of the fleet. And 
say what you will about all the, the dalliances that Will Riker ever had on Next Gen, and there were a lot. He was a man whore. I will freely, <laughs> freely admit that. Every scene that Marina and Jonathan were in, they always played that that will they, won't they, sexual yeah. tension. And that's what I always loved about it. And that's why I got pissed off at the end of Next Generation when they decided to pair her with Worf. I agree. I was like, what? Has all this been for nothing? <laughs> What's going on here? That, that's why when 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 they they the, you know the timeline gets reset and Picard tells uh-huh. them and he literally gives Worf like the death glare. And yeah, he goes, yeah. So that some things never happen. <laughs> Agreed. Um do you know, can I can I just finish our conversation with a character that we haven't mentioned yet? Go ahead. Um, can I just make a special note for Reg? I love uh, Reg I, Barclay so much. I'm, 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 I'm sorry, Commander. I, it's fine, Reg. It's fine. <laughs> Whenever. Yeah, I love him. And um, you, you, he's just a fantastic character to watch because I'm always rooting for Reg. You know, even though he's not quite the most confident. Although he's a bloody good engineer, isn't he? He's, he comes up with some of the, most of the solutions to a lot of things. It's, um, it's, I, it's always the weird person that ha- doesn't have the social skills to be like a normal person. And that's why they're ostracized. But they're also the most talented people because yeah, yeah. they don't have the external things that most people have. So they get yeah. they get the, the stuff done and they have that, that extra time to go, well, I need to figure out a new way to do the diagnostics on the warp core. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I absolutely love the, um, the Hollow Suite program with all the female characters from the show. Mm-hmm. Um, I cannot... I am the goddess re- of empathy. Cast off your <laughs> inhibitions and embrace love. Yes. I just, I just love him. I was really pleased that he turns up in Voyager as well. He's such a great character. Um, and I, I love those sort of more understated characters. Um, they always sort of stick with you. They're lovable. And like I said, you're always rooting for them. So... Um, he just—he was just a little mention that I wanted to give. Computer, delete image of Troy. Computer, delay that order. <laughs> we need to find out what's wrong with this man, don't we? <laughs> Marvelous so, yeah. program, don't you think? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I can't believe that we hadn't—we had didn't mention him, but um, yeah, he just popped into my mind there. <laughs> well, now, grant you, we haven't talked about this character. I mean, we kind of did um, earlier on, but we were talking about this character through the lens of another character okay. off the podcast. Mm-hmm. Behind the third wall, fourth wall, whatever. Right. It's <laughs> what are your thoughts on my friend Will Wheaton slash Wesley Crusher? Um, oh, I, okay. Uh, I don't mind Wesley Crusher as a character. <laughs> <laughs> he um the pro- I but I don't love him either. I mean the problem that I have with Wesley is that as I mentioned before he comes across as a know-it-all. Um and I just don't find that as endearing as I do as other as other characters. And you know 
Then he goes off to the academy, and every time he comes back, there's always some sort of issue. <laughs> uh, let's see, he had Ashley Judd in the game. Uh, first duty, he was part of a cover-up. Uh, exactly. Then he comes back in parallels in season seven as a alternate version of Wesley in security. And then he comes back as, you know, he comes back to basically leave everybody in yes, uh, and Journey's End. And transcend onto a greater you know like existence and i just thought of course you of course you are wes of course it would be you that would be chosen to do that um i don't know i just don't find him the most likable of characters simply because um he's a bit of a know-it-all and nobody really likes that kid well my problem which i told you in the lens of another star trek character is who i equated wesley to same mm. same reason is a know-it-all but the thing is with wesley it was because he was a kid and he mm. was a know-it-all he didn't go to the academy and all that and he just had all these solutions and that's why people dislike him yeah and i and i get it but they took it out on the actor not the character oh yeah it's got nothing to do with it, so, you know it's a so, thing but we we can agree that it's the character oh absolutely so, like, you know what, if they had somehow, I don't know how they would have done it back then, but if they had kind of, like, built him up, like the other characters, you know what, Picard has, all these other characters are adults and they have a backstory. You could have mm. built in, or you could could have had the building blocks where we get to a point where we can say, oh, Wesley's a genius. Instead mm -hmm, of mm -hmm. that... And it's and it goes back to that first moment on the bridge, uh, in an encounter at Farpoint, which where, well, this this is the command chair, that's the ops panel, communications library, computer, and this is the da, 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 how the hell do you know that boy? Mm. <laughs> yeah, he just oh, yeah. It's like you said, if they'd dealt with that character a little bit better and explained it to us a little bit better but yeah he just came across as unlikable sorry wes <laughs> but i the interesting thing that i learned just recently tell me if you you ever thought about it this way okay gene roddenberry put himself in next generation three different three different ways okay gene roddenberry the kid is wesley crusher Right. Gene Roddenberry, when he was flying planes before Star Trek, is Will Riker. Okay. Gene Roddenberry, as he was in his later years, thinking himself as the great bird of the galaxy, is Picard. Right. Okay. So he always wanted to be that whiz kid. He was, he was Will Riker. And then, you know, he is, by that point, Picard. Or he right. thinks of himself as Picard. Yeah. No, I'd never thought about it like that. That's very interesting, actually. Um, hmm. So by by that rationale, because I, I often think, you, do you ever compare different characters from the different shows to each other? You know, like we were saying, Riker is like Kirk, for example. Yeah. Is Paris then like Riker, who's, you don't know that you ever do that? Well, I do, I do. But there are certain characters that have no comparison. Like Julian, be sure there's nobody like Julian. 
True, true. I mean, you can draw like minor, my, and I say minor, minor, minor. And, and I think Deep Space Nine is the only show that you can't draw comparisons to. Mm. Mainly because, you know, all those characters are not out of some sort of, you know, form that you can. Like, there's a lineage from Spock to Data to Seven of Nine. Or the Doctor. Okay. Depending on who you're talking yeah. to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can see a lineage from Kirk to Riker. And this is going to be a bold statement. I'll say Janeway. Oh, interesting. Is that because she's quite ballsy, do you think? I, or? think? I think it's because she's ballsy and she's more like Kirk than she is Picard. Why Why is she more like Kirk, do you think? I, I just think the way that she wrote, they wrote her, they wrote her to be a female Kirk. Because she's more the action-oriented, well, grant you that Picard begets action-oriented in the movies, but I'm not even going to count that. Okay. <laughs> Picard was always the diplomat. And I'm not saying that Janeway's not a diplomat. Yeah. Just like, I'm not saying Kirk is not a diplomat. Yeah. I'm just saying no, you that you bridge, the, you bridge the gap between the two. Kirk was always, I, I, can, I will do dipl diplomacy first, but when diplomacy fails, I'm going to kick some ass. Yeah, true. Actually, do you know what? There, there is actually an episode. There's an episode in Voyager where um, Catherine Janeway is very, very. Um, I can't think of the word to describe it. I'm sure it'll come to me, but she really doesn't negotiate and she really goes straight for the jugular. And it's the Tuvix episode. I find that disturbing in a way. Because uh, I, I actually, I, I love Neelix and Tuvok, obviously. They are the original entities. And then obviously this Tuvix character comes on and they spend a lot of the episodes showing how he integrates with the crew. The crew seem to enjoy him better. Cass even says that he cooks better than Neelix. Then the doctor comes and says, I've got a way to turn them back into their original like entities or structures i'm not sure how he phrases it and of course tuvix comes to uh plead for his life he's a he's a new life form and she actually totally um overrides the doctor and says turn him back and that's it and it's never spoken of ever again but the funny thing is you say that that's one of those instances where the doctor could have overrode the captain and chooses, and chooses not to because they all know that they need their chief of security and they need their morale officer. And grant you that they're together, they need to be separate because they are separate entities. And then you find okay. out after after the fact that they did get a little bit of each other when they get separated anyway. But also I think the reason why the doctor doesn't question that is who wants to make that decision? You know, if you have somebody else making it for you, it's much easier, isn't it? Um, but yeah, you're right. She is a complete badass. And, and that was the episode that showed me that she was. Well, then, then, then let me put it to you this way. It's a, it's a line from Kirk to Will Riker to Cisco to Janeway. Because the only two characters who could ever make that decision are Cisco and Janeway. Because yeah, Cisco I, makes it in, in a pale moonlight. Basically. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um. I love Cisco. He's, he's such a fantastic character. 
Um, but that's probably for another day. <laughs> it is, but since it's so late where you are, mm -hmm. it's like, I don't know, 10, 10, 11 over in England. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> is there any place that you want people to find you should they want to talk to you about Trek or any of the other things that you like? <laughs> Well, um, oh, well, I love uh, I, I love science fiction in general. Um, you know, I'm just a, I'm just a big geek, really. Yay, the awesome nerds. Um, <laughs> but if people do want to talk to me about anything, um, then they can find me on Twitter. That's where I'm usually, um, you know, to be found, commenting on you know anything really. And that's where I met you. Uh, and I'm um, at Jojo Ellen AP. Uh, if they want to chat to me about anything uh, Star Trekky or anything sci-fi or anything at all. <laughs> well, Joe, I had a blast talking to you for what is now almost an, two hours and a half. I know. <laughs> I had a great time too, and I'd be delighted to come back on anytime you want. <laughs> I'm so excited. Thank you again for joining me. No, thank you for inviting me. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen, my conversation with Joe from England. And I want to thank her again for an amazing, an amazing conversation of Star Trek The Next Generation and Star Trek in general today. I also want to also thank her for breaking the transatlantic barrier, the intercontinental barrier, the final frontier of the Fez podcast in being the first international person to be on the podcast. Before I let you all go, I want you guys to please give a shout out, a like, and a listen to my friends over at the Sci-Fi Distilled Podcast, Mary Beth and Mike Rizzo, who talk about all sorts of sci-fi shows and movies had some pretty interesting guests including Doug Drexler and Michael and De Denise Akuda from Star Trek fame so go ahead and give them a listen and if you haven't already remember to rate review and subscribe to the podcast and it's basically everywhere you get your podcast Apple Google Spotify anchor basically everywhere and if you want to get in contact with us you can do it by Facebook by searching Fez Talks dash dash podcast on the Twitter or on Instagram at Fez Talks. Or if you want to do it the old fashioned way, you can go email us at feztalks at gmail.com. Until next time, my podcast listeners, I hope you stay healthy and happy. And until next time, Mr. Crusher, engage. <laughs> <laughs>